KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Monday, December 6th. The VA's promising to do better. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County public health officials reported more than 1,100 new coronavirus cases on Friday. That's the highest daily case count since September. The influx is compared to about 600 cases reported the previous two days. Hospitalizations, however, from COVID-19 are down by seven, down to 296, according to state figures from the weekend. Health officials believe the spike is due to Thanksgiving gatherings, and it's not related to the new Omicron variant, which has not yet been identified in San Diego County. The variant has been detected in San Francisco and more recently in Los Angeles County. 150 San Diego families will get a chance for guaranteed income thanks to a new project launched on Friday. The state of California will appropriate $1.4 million of its annual budget to the nonprofit San Diego for Every Child. It's the region's first guaranteed income pilot project. Kia Pollard is the director for San Diego Every Child. It's an opportunity to provide direct cash to families with no strings, no work requirements attached. It's an opportunity for families to elevate themselves and support their families in the ways that they choose. Not everyone who applies will receive guaranteed income. 150 families will be selected randomly through a lottery and be notified in January of 2022. Applications are being accepted up to midnight tonight at sandiegoforeverychild.org. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. A recent investigation by our media partner iNewsource took center stage last week on Capitol Hill. iNewsource investigative reporter Jill Castellano has the latest. In an investigation published last month, iNewsource uncovered that the VA healthcare system is restricting access to medical treatments for veterans so the government department can save money. On Wednesday, senators on the Veterans Affairs Committee gathered for a hearing on the state of the VA and they took it as an opportunity to ask the head of the VA himself about the reporting, which also published in USA Today. You may have seen the results of the investigation conducted by USA Today. That's Senator Mike Rounds from South Dakota. 
He said he worries the VA cares more about money than offering the best treatment options to veterans. I, I, I think we've got a serious problem here that's not going to go away. In his response, the U.S. Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Dennis McDonough, said his team has dug deep into the reporting. We took it very seriously, including with the team in San Diego, to get to the bottom of it. In a statement, the VA said it had made several changes since the investigation published. That includes starting an audit and compliance program at the San Diego VA hospital. And that was iNewsource investigative reporter Jill Castellano. To read the investigation, go to iNewsource.org. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. Part of the recently enacted $1 trillion federal infrastructure bill sets aside more than $100 billion to repair aging highways and bridges. North County multimedia producer Alexander Wynn takes us to a bridge in Del Mar that could benefit from the new funding. More than 20,000 cars cross the Camino Del Mar Bridge every day. It's one of the most popular thoroughfare in the city of Del Mar, and it's considered structurally deficient. Delmar has been trying to replace the 89-year-old bridge for years. In 2017, the city received a grant from the Federal Highway Administration that will cover almost 90% of the estimated $49 million replacement cost. Delmar will need to come up with the rest of the money. We hope there may be some federal grants that are going along with this uh, infrastructure bill that will allow us to use it for a local match. That's Delmar City Councilman David Drucker. He says the city has spent $1.4 million and would need to raise $2.2 million between now and 2025 when construction is expected to begin. And that was KPBS North County multimedia producer Alexander Wynn. Older adults in Mexico may soon be eligible to receive COVID-19 booster shots. From the Fronteras desk in Hermosillo, KJZZ's Kendall Blust reports. After previously opposing coronavirus booster shots, Mexican officials said they'll begin administering third doses to people over 60. Teachers who are mostly vaccinated with the one-dose CanSino shot in the spring will also be able to get another dose. Yo creo que va a ser ya este, en este mes. President Andrés Manuel López Obrador said he hopes boosters will start this month before temperatures drop and people gather for the holidays, though he said the additional doses will have to be balanced with ongoing efforts to get shots to unvaccinated adults, as well as youth ages 15 to 17 who recently became eligible for vaccination. About half the country is fully vaccinated. And that was KJZZ's Kendall Blust reporting from Hermosillo. Many people who fought and died on behalf of the U.S. during the 20 years of war in Afghanistan were actually contractors, not U.S. troops. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh says it's part of a change in the way that America fights its wars with lasting consequences. You become a lot less concerned with your own safety than you do the guys behind you because they're putting, they're putting their life in your hand. Andy Kutz is a veteran, but not in Afghanistan. He served in the Navy in the 1990s, but after working as a narcotics dog handler for a police department in Texas, he was hired in 2008 by a private contractor to work with bomb-sniffing dogs in Afghanistan. In less than a month, Coots was in the field with special forces. Our, our rotation typically was we'd, we'd be there for six months, and then we'd get to come home for like 23 days. 
and then we go back. As the number of roadside bombs skyrocketed, he stayed nearly eight years until his injuries piled up and his wife convinced him it was time to come home. But when you know there's nobody out there that's seen what you've seen and you can't go anywhere to people who have been through and seen that, you feel real isolated and, and lonely. And again, that's why a lot of contractors commit suicide, but it doesn't make the news. Noah Coburn is an anthropologist at Bennington College. He spent time in Afghanistan trying to get a handle on the number of contractors hired by the U.S. Frankly, the political cost of a contractor being killed is, is much less. It oftentimes doesn't even get reported on. And you can see it simply in the headlines after these attacks where it will say three troops killed. And it won't even mention the fact that they were with 12 contractors at the time. Brown University found about 7,000 military members died in all post 9-11 conflicts. But nearly 8,000 contractors died. Coburn says private contracts hide the true cost of war. Hiring companies to do uh, the work that the military did historically, whether it's building the bases, whether it's delivering fuel. No one has a complete list of who was hired. Some were Americans, many were Afghans. A large number were from third countries like Nepal and the Philippines. A few were highly paid, but most earned a tiny fraction of the trillion dollars the U.S. spent in Afghanistan. One thing that every one of the last four administrations has agreed upon in entirely, it's the one constant in our strategies in the war in Afghanistan and in Iraq, and that is the ratio of contractors to troops have steadily increased over the last 20 years. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but, but to be honest, I was able to see the anger in their face. Part of Bahir Safi's job was to go to villages with U.S. forces when someone was killed by mistake. He remembers an elderly man shot by an American sniper. The man was holding up what turned out to be a flashlight. They, they shot them down. So, and the next day, we were trying to cover that uh, bad incident, and we had a meeting with them and explain everything and spend like at least two to three hours. Safi worked as an interpreter for nearly seven years before leaving Afghanistan in 2014. He's now an American citizen living outside of Washington, D.C. Though Afghans were paid far less, they were expected to take on some of the most dangerous missions. When contractors get hurt, instead of military doctors and VA benefits, Companies are using a version of workman's compensation known as the Defense Base Act. Jeffrey Winter is an attorney in San Diego who handles these cases. They start to recognize they have flashbacks, they have things that startle them, and it gets to the point where they, the family says, look, you either need to go see somebody or we're leaving. It just gets to be that bad. Lawsuits can drag on for years. The dog handler Andy Coots is back home in Texas. He's paying for his own PTSD treatment after receiving a settlement. I don't think of myself as just the civilian out there with those guys. It's just when you get outside that little bubble that me or anybody else who was in my position becomes just vapor. You know, they, they just kind of disappear and we have to deal with it ourselves. Not at home with fellow combat veterans and not able to move on after years of war. And that was KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh. This story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Coming up, the California State Capitol is getting a major remodel and not everyone is pleased with the plans. We'll have more on that next, just after the break. 
Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. There's a big and expensive move underway at the California State Capitol, and it's causing a major dust-up. From Sacramento, Cap Radio's Nicole Nixon reports. Hopefully that holds. Lizzie Kutsona tapes up another box in her office at the State Capitol. She works for a lawmaker from Southern California. But Kutsona and her colleague are the only ones here on a recent morning as they pack up boxes of photos and files. Erin, are we bringing all these big books over here on the coffee table? Well, I'm guessing we'll put them up in our new space, too. That new space is a brand new office building located two blocks south. For the next several years, it'll be a temporary home for state lawmakers, the governor, and over a thousand state government staffers. The state plans to demolish and replace their current office building, known as the Annex, which is connected to the state capitol. The historic West Wing, which includes the Capitol Dome and legislative floor chambers, will stay and continue to be used. But the annex, built in the 1950s, has asbestos, lead, and it isn't up to modern safety and accessibility codes, says Assemblymember Ken Cooley, who's overseeing the entire project. The current building definitely does not support the work of the legislature in the way the Capitol used to. This is a building that was built for a part-time legislature. The update has been in the works for years. Lawmakers allocated three-quarters of a billion dollars for the project in 2018, though it may end up costing more due to rising construction costs and additional security measures, Cooley says. But activists are suing to try to prevent the annex's demolition. They argue the state violated environmental law by pre-committing to bulldozing it and that the annex should be protected by its status as a historic building. Milford Wayne Donaldson is a preservation architect who's advised former governors and the Obama administration. Standing in the annex recently, Donaldson accused Cooley and the state of not making any real effort to preserve the 70-year-old building. Look at the materials in here, the marble, all the bronze, the openings, the stainless steel doors and all this. So this is a quality building meant to last and it can easily be adapted re reused. Donaldson calls the planned design for its replacement, which has an all-glass facade, a monstrosity, which doesn't match the style of the historic capital. Critics also say the project would harm too many trees in Capitol Park. According to the Environmental Impact Report, more than 100 trees would either be transplanted or removed and replaced. Some of those trees were planted to honor veterans or given as gifts from other nations, says Ann Fankner with the California Urban Forests Council. These trees represent our connection to the people and cultures of the world. We owe it to previous generations and to the future 
to figure this out. Several dedicated trees, including a redwood grown from a seed that orbited the moon, would be protected in place during construction. Cooley says annex construction won't begin until the matter is settled in court. But whether the building is demolished and replaced or gutted and remodeled, Cooley hopes the project can get underway in the spring. The Sacramento area Democrat says the move was targeted to a very specific window when lawmakers aren't passing legislation or running for office. So the fourth quarter of the odd-numbered year is the one quarter out of the biennium when if you disrupt people with moves, it's least disruptive. Cooley hopes the annex project will be complete four years from now so lawmakers can pack up and move back in around September 2025. That's the 175th anniversary of California's statehood. And that was Cap Radio's Nicole Nixon reporting from Sacramento. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.